Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Hey there, folks. This is your host, Michael Vizi. Welcome back to the 10K Collective podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers, a subset of the amazing FBA suite of podcasts. So today we are continuing the question with Steve Anderson of the author of the Bezos Letters of how to practice dynamic invention and innovation, his third principle of the 14 principles. And even that took us a nearly an hour's discussion. So there's loads to dig into here. We talked in the last episode about meaningful differentiation, a really critical piece. If you didn't hear that, do go back and listen to that. This one, we're going to talk about the six page narrative, the famous memos that, that um, Jeff Bezos gets people to write whenever there's going to be something innovative or new and then the uh, power of wondering the power of doing stuff led by your gut if you like and not intentional not precise and focused which is kind of really counter to most normal business growth advice really thought-provoking worth listening to as ever if you enjoy this show don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you get this good stuff appearing automatically and with that i'm going to hand you over to the discussion with steve anderson enjoy the show so I know that the second you got another couple of parts to this innovation <laughs> and, and invention thing. So innovation, invention tool set, right? Invention yeah. tool set. So that was the first one was um, meaningful Mean- differentiation. Correct. So, so the, the second, second one, one, yeah, the second one is a process that Amazon uses actually to decide: Do we go forward with trying to create an Amazon Go project? So it's called a six-page narrative, and in two thousand and four. Bezos sent out an email to a senior leadership team and basically said, you know, I uh, am banning any slide oriented presentation at our meetings. So again, senior leadership and and I'm trying to see here and no PowerPoint, no keynote, no nothing at, at meetings. And, and basically at, and this really goes back to Bezos' mindset and kind of goes back and helps answer the question, why did he write all these shareholder letters the way he did? They're, they're stories. They're narratives. They're telling a story about what Amazon's doing. And what he, he realized, I think, early on and implemented it at Amazon is that, frankly, and here I'm quoting out of the email right now, well-structured narrative text is what we're after rather than just text. If someone builds a list of bullet points in Word, that would be just as bad as PowerPoint. The reason writing a good four-page memo is harder than writing a 20-page PowerPoint is because the narrative structure, and, and now I'm paraphrasing, the narrative structure forces you to think through what it is you're actually asking, whereas You've seen them in presentations. You sort of hide behind PowerPoints, right? And what about the person who interrupts and and then somebody says, oh, wait, I've got, that's the, you know, fourth slide uh, in the future. So what Amazon does is 
it's now called six page. So it's maximum of six pages. At one point, they were doing like 60 pages. Didn't work. So again, they're experimenting, iterating, changing. So six page, it starts the first part of that document is called a future press release. So in Amazon's Go case, somebody came up with the idea that we can build a just walk out checkout process. Somebody had to make the decision to go ahead. Somebody who had the idea had to create the future press release that literally looked at one, two, three years into the future and said, here are the benefits. Here's how customers are going to be better served. Here's how it's going to work. So that's the first thing. And again, taking the time to actually write that out, having a much clearer vision for what it is you're trying to build. The second part of that is an FAQ. What are the common questions that a customer is going to ask? What about others? You know, what and what are the answers, right? Short answer and a longer answer. What don't we know? What do we anticipate being the big technical problems we're going to have to solve? And, and that document is put together and brought to the meeting. It is not sent out beforehand. And as Bezos describes in one of the shareholder letters, we have study hall at the beginning of a meeting. It may take 10 minutes for a smaller one, and it may take 30 minutes for a bigger one, but literally everybody sits and reads the narrative. And then we open up for discussion. And you make notes in the margin, you have questions and all those kinds of things. Now, Michael, I have to tell you, I use this process for a project I'm working now, really a new company that I'm starting in the insurance space to get investment. And there were about 15 people in the room. I convinced the other people I was working with that this is a process we should use. It was amazing to watch the quality of the discussion at the meeting. After We spent 15 minutes. After that 15 minutes, and, and so it's a process that not just I talk about and look at at Amazon, but it's one I'm using you know, in my own business and and. The narrative nature, it took probably two weeks to write that. I mean, it, it's hard. And what Bezos says when he's, at, he's asked a question about why is it worth it, he says it's hard. And the whole goal is, yes, it takes time to do this in the beginning, but it will save you hours and hours and hours of time later. And you'll have a much clearer vision of what it is that you're working on and developing and, and the process. Wow. By the way, I love your passion for this. I, I'm a man who also gets passionate about sort of business concepts, which is kind of a rare thing. So I mean, it's it. so counterintuitive yeah, it is. that you yeah. have to write things out. And, and Bezos yeah. says the biggest problem between a good memo and a bad memo is just scope. And again, I don't, we don't have time to go through all of that piece of it. But what he says is it takes at least a week to write a good memo. And so if you think you can do it in a few hours, you don't understand the scope needed to create the quality that's going to resonate with a good memo. Yeah, interesting. I, I have to say, as a words-based kind of person, ultimately, and when it comes to marketing, I'm definitely words rather than, than visuals, as you can probably tell from the, the, my sort of slightly amateur versions of, of I've got these, these are professional design now, but my, my, my innovations and my background kind of tells the story gradually of, of me getting on board with 
visuals but i really it it obviously warms my heart because i'm a words-based guy but nevertheless what's interesting about it is number one it's delightfully old school it's like oldest old school it's pre-internet it's pre-computers i love it and the second thing is the barrier to getting stuff out there the, the more technology is involved the lower the quality of communication normally so if it involves satellites the internet and really clever innovation you get twitter and you get all the quality of debate that you get on twitter as as has been discussed recently in you know political events yes. <laughs> in both both of our countries and i'm not going to even reference any specifics but is that quality debate i might i think you'd be hard pressed to say that's better quality than than a book or something so there's something about that and then what else strikes me it's just the fact that you make reading time and reading that really takes me back like i've my mum was a, a school teacher i i never did that because it looks like a hard job because most most classrooms seem like chaos and actually the idea of just sitting and reading and absorbing and making time specifically for that seems great because the other one you get is so often corporate life is oh did you get my email what right. you mean the one that you cc'd 60 people into including me which was the 500th email of the week what did i read the attachment the chances no. are very low. Exactly. Right? And that's, that's literally what Bezos says. He says executives are busy. You know, they say they're going to read it. They may skim it at best. But if everybody's in the meeting and are forced to read it at that point, then everybody's literally on the same page uh, for discussion then that moves forward. Yeah, Amazing. It, it's, it's fascinating. Here's the other benefit. Now you've created a... A, a really a living document that as you move forward with the project, if you fail doing something, now you have something to go back to and say, what did we not understand correctly? What did we get wrong? What can we change as we look at a future project? So you have really a built-in review process because now you have this document. Yeah, I guess it's like a lot of things in, in life, including business, for sure, that if you document anything, you then have the chance to examine it as a sort of abstract structure, as opposed to it's just something you're in the middle of as a process you experience, but haven't documented, it's harder to stand back from it, right, and analyze right. what's happening. So, yeah, amazing. Well, look, you totally sold me on this uh, six-page <laughs> narrative thing. I'm kind of excited to try and come up with something for my next innovation in an amazing FBN 10K collective. So watch this space. The third thing then is, uh, well, in fact, there's another third tool that you've got for us. What is the the other tool? That, yeah, the that... third one, and again, I'm. this is a quote out of the 2018 letter, what he calls a whole section in the letter called Intuition, Curiosity, and the power of wandering. And really this idea of wandering in business. And, you know, again, I'll try not to read, I, I may give a quick quote here, but he, he talks about early on in Amazon's life, we knew we wanted to create a culture of builders. So that's really that curiosity. People who are curious, explorers, they like to invent. Even when they're experts, they're fresh with a beginner's mind. So not the expert that goes, oh, I know it all, but the expert that goes, huh, I wonder what I don't know and I need to. And then he goes on to say, sometimes, actually often in business, you do know where you're going. And when you do, you can be efficient. But in place, put in place a plan and execute, right? But in contrast, Wandering in business is not efficient, but it's also not random. 
it's guided by hunch, gut, intuition, curiosity, and the and powered by a deep conviction that the prize for customers is big enough that it's worth being a little messy and tangential to find your way there. And I, and I would point back, you mentioned AWS, I would point back to AWS as literally wandering. You know, nobody came up with, hey, we need to create a computing platform that anybody can come in and buy time for. They created it to solve their own internal problem. And then a light bulb went off with somebody and said, hey, you know, developers might like this. It's working well for us, right? So kind of wandering, creating intuition, curiosity, right? All of those things that frankly, I think are counterintuitive for most businesses. And again, you know, for Bezos, understanding at a core that those are key for invention, right? Being an invention factory. Interesting. And then so many businesses seem to strive for that as a sort of fashionable thing. It's, I guess, been fashionable for a couple of decades, more or less. Say we're into innovation, we're inventive company, whatever, and they try and create sort of entrepreneurs, right? The people within organizations uh-huh. that will kind of act like an entrepreneur. Otherwise, they'll take risks and follow intuition. But to actually do that at scale and to make that part of the culture, especially when you're as publicly exposed as Amazon is, not just a publicly listed company, but a very famous and in the news, takes real guts, I think, apart from anything else. It's, it's fascinating how Bezos has managed to talk of narrative to the markets, as in the capital markets, that, that lend them money or invest. They've managed to give a consistent narrative for, for so, so long based on, frankly, such low profit margins. Yes. That, that blows my mind apart from anything else, that somehow the idea that intuition, curiosity and making lots of expensive mistakes is really not only acceptable, but actually kind of part of a virtuous way of well, doing business. And, it's and so profit, unusual, I mean, right? I, what the phrase comes to my mind when you say that is it, it's profitable, meaning, yeah. you know, certainly for shareholders, right? If you look at their, mm. their stock prices and takes care of the customer, you know, and Bezos says over and over again, like marketplace, the reason marketplace went or, or it still is, is that if it's better for the customer, They can find a product we don't carry or at a price better than ours. If it's better for the customer, it will be better for Amazon and our shareholders. Yeah, well, and whether that's just a spin on something that's already happened or true, it's it's certainly been the case, right? I mean, let's put it this way. Marketplace has made Amazon a lot of money. It's been great for shareholders. It's been amazing for for customers in terms of choice and and price and delivery. And And even with its problems, it's been good for third parties. Right. I mean, it's not perfect. And right. You hear all the, you know, (laughs) accounts getting shut down and all those kinds of things. And, you know, frankly, Michael, I've always thought part of that is really not understanding what customer obsession means to Amazon. That if you don't adopt that mindset as a third party seller, you could have some problems. You could run into some some barriers there. Okay, so tell me about your view of, of the customer obsession then, because that's a, you you raise an exceptionally important point for anyone who's selling on Amazon ever. The biggest fear is account suspension, and it is a real problem. And so, if you could shed light on that, I'm sure everyone of you all is. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I'm not a third party seller, but I've talked to many yourself and others uh, that I know that are are part of that. What's the right word? Ecosystem, I guess. And, and uh, again, sometimes it. It seems capricious, and maybe it is. So I I am not defending Amazon there. But I also think it's really, really important to understand that at Amazon, 
I mean, literally the customer is king. You know, read anything that Bezos has put out and, and the whole the whole word obsession. I mean, he uses that in that first 1997 letter. We will have customer obsession. And so, you know, uh, that's a different word, right? And, and literally can have some negative connotations also. And so understanding that, I think, will we'll go farther in terms of how you interact as a third-party seller with the customers, how you respond to complaints, how you, right, those kinds of things, you know, having that same mindset. I, I, I won't say, well, it's 100% guaranteed, but I think we'll go a l- much longer way to uh, protect your position there. And I think individual practices aside, and, and there's much to be discussed, but the point, I guess I would say, is it's their land. We're on it. So we're yes. going to be operating in there. As you said last time, I was looking back on the notes from, from the last podcast we did, is their party. It is. We've been invited. We're, we're welcome, but not so welcome if we don't behave. And whether we like it or not, we have to align with at least the direction of travel of what they're trying to achieve. And, and whilst it may be capricious in the way it's implemented, probably does need regulating and, and the antitrust and anti-competition laws, that are, you know, uh, lawsuits that are coming up in the EU right. and maybe in the USA have a good point and, and there is a fairness issue and all the rest of it. But nevertheless, Amazon wouldn't be Amazon without its customer obsession. It wouldn't have the conversion rates. It wouldn't have everyone having their credit card on file and so forth. So I think we have to recognize that we need to, un- whether we agree with the individual practices and the inconsistency, which is probably what winds people up the most, and that is a problem, the underlying philosophy is what makes Amazon Amazon. So we're either on board with that or we shouldn't be there. Right. Because there is more than one way of doing business. And so what strikes me as well as a British person, and my background is classical music, and and that's quite a unionized industry. A lot of industries in, in the US, a lot of areas of the US are actually very, very unionized as well. It's not like America is a great free market and Britain is very unionized. I think actually Margaret Thatcher back in the 80s kind of swallowed the Milton Friedman kind of party line more than Reagan said it. And she did it, if you like. This is massive generalizations. I'm going essentially <laughs> off piece, except to say there's a sort of culture of the relationship between the worker the institution and the customer that we have to get our heads around and our hearts around, if you like, because there is an, there is a thing where I think America has more of the customer's king mentality as part of its fabric of how society works there. Workers don't have the same level of protection as they do in the UK. And I'm not interested in getting into big political discussions about whether that's good, bad or indifferent. But I'm just saying if we're on there, the idea of being protected as the valued producer of stuff, which may be in mentality that in certain industries, certain locations geographically in the US, in Europe, UK, we may have as a background, we have to understand that they're deadly serious about the customer being more important than the provider. And that's something else I think we've got to get our heads around, right? Because yes, that's, my and that's, that's actually a really, for me, hearing you say that is really um, good information. And I think you're right in, in terms of a, a difference, UK and US, very much so, you know, but absolutely agree that understanding where Amazon is, comes from and what they see as their really primary success, which is inventing on, on behalf of the customer. Absolutely. Well, look, it's been a fascinating journey to go through your just one of 14 principles, <laughs> practice dynamic invention and innovation. Some fascinating stuff come out of that. I mean, I, I think it's first for starters, you kept me up to date with what's going on in Seattle, which I, I haven't really clocked just how far Amazon had gone with physical stores. Fascinating. And also, more importantly, perhaps just those principles, the meaningful differentiation, the six-page narrative, the 
intuition and the power of wondering, which is kind of a scary, <laughs> scary word, <laughs> but very interesting. Yeah. Have you got any final thoughts that sort of could wrap this up for people in terms of how to implement this in our own businesses? Well, I, I really go back to principle number one, encourage successful failure, because that's sort of a core idea. And the idea there is experimentation. You know, it, it you have to try different things and an experiment by its very nature means you're going to fail. So, you know, being willing, you know, to, I guess, two things. We said this early on, but being willing to take the risk, but also, you know, in, intentional risk taking, right? Not stupid risk taking. And, and Amazon doesn't do stupid risk taking, but they absolutely do take risk uh, and they think they're worth it. So, uh, you know, how does that work? And and then for a business owner, if you've got employees, what are you communicating to your employees in, in this arena? Meaning, are you giving them the freedom to experiment and fail and learn from it and move forward? So it's not just lip service, the idea of successful failure, but if somebody fails, you come down on them like a ton of bricks. So you actually you support them. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Amazon has a couple of awards. You know, one of my questions I think I probably said when we talked earlier is, you know, what's your organization's employee award for the most successful failure? Well, Amazon has several different awards. One of it is, it's called Just Do It Award, which, you know, is given to individuals who make significant progress on behalf of the customer. And, and literally, it's a Nike sneaker shoe tennis shoe. Long story there, we don't have time for, but you know, it's not about the money. It's about the recognition and letting people know that it's okay to experiment, to test, to try new things. And that you, meaning owner, manager, whatever that looks like in your organization, have their back. Because that means they'll be, they'll get more. The best ideas come from existing clients, excuse me, existing employees. No question mm -hmm. in my mind. If they're supported in all of that messiness, right? That wandering that's not clear. Um, success is 100% of the time. Yeah, that, that really does. It's got to make sense, right? I mean, in the end, you cannot get an innovation if people are looking over their shoulder thinking they're going to get fired for doing anything except rigidly following systems. And I think also you put a really great finger on something that that wandering idea, that idea of not doing the right things and not following SOPs. Everyone's obsessed with SOPs, standard operating procedures, which obviously yep. comes from the military. And uh, the military, well, I guess there's a couple of things. There's another thing, snafu, which is an American military term, which is situation normal, all effed up, which yep. in other words, <laughs> may indicate that the military way of doing things is not actually always as precise as we want to make out. I, I don't have the background to say that for sure. I don't know. But the other thing is that the idea of being rigid and in, you know, like an army, kind of is maybe not always the right metaphor because if you want to get innovation you're going to have to actually allow for people to do not only mistakes which sounds kind of a bit more courageous but maybe just goof off and do random stuff yep. which sounds really scary but i know google for example is it 20 percent of the time that you're allowed to pursue your own project something yeah like that? for their for their engineers that's been modified a little bit over the last couple of years <laughs> but yeah engineers could take 20 percent of their time for for pet projects, right? Personal ideas or things they were working on. That's a great yes. example of, of implementing something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, for most of us, I guess it would be a bit scary to have 20% of employees' time doing random stuff. But I mean, if we've got the courage to try it in certain 
ways. I, I'm, I'm sensing my own internal resistance to this. Like, I guess you just got to try stuff and see if it works, right? <laughs> right. That's the, kind of the, the, the main whole nature of an experiment, saying. right? Absolutely. <laughs> well, look, Steve, it's been really intellectually stimulating and, and, and fascinating to hear your thoughts and interpretations of, of Jeff Bezos's incredible letters. And if nothing else, it's a, it's a spur to go and read them. And, and again, to read your book as the sort of more condensed version and with the, the, the ideas teased out there. So if people want to hear more from you and, and read the book, tell us more about where they can, can do that. Yeah, the best place. Well, the book's available on Amazon in audio, digital, and physical. And and actually, there is a UK version that's published by uh, Hachette. I, and it actually might be in uh, some Waterstone stores. I don't know that. If you find it, let me know, because uh, that's always fun to, as, as we call it in the book publishing business, you know, spot it in the wild. But the website is thebezosletters.com. And lots of information there on uh, the book. And also, if you do get the book, and there are a couple of support material or bonus material to help you get the most out of you know, thinking about these principles and how they might apply in your own business. It's really, really helpful because I think, yes, um, applying this stuff is is always the trick, isn't it? I mean, it's intellectually exciting. Then we go away and we go back to the same old, same old every day. Wait. And I guess that's that's the trick is to get it applied. So that bonus material sounds really worth checking out. So I'm sort of going to go and reread your book. And I've, I've read, you know, read it a while ago as preparation for our last uh, conversation about a year ago. But you've really inspired me to reread it because well, this is you. exciting stuff. Uh, yeah, so, I Steve, think so. Thank you so much for coming My on the pleasure, show. My really pleasure, Michael. It's always great conversation with you. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective Podcast, part of the family of amazing FBA podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.theecommerceleader.com.